simple a matter as lifting a gloved finger from the armrest took nearly all of his strength. Atlantis, we have SRB separation. Roger, what a sight, Cullens exclaimed. The twin boosters attached to the bulbous external tank blew away from the orbiter like Catherine wheels, the last of their fuel spinning them in blazing arcs of fire and hot gas. And still the orbiter climbed, accelerating the entire time, past Mach 10, like a mile marker on an empty interstate. At an altitude of 62 miles, the crew was treated to the sun rising over the diminishing horizon. Even as they gasped like primitives at the reassuring sight, the Atlantis powered out of the atmosphere to the realm where the earth was little more than a painted backdrop, stripped of its warmth and beauty by the frigid vacuum of space. Atlantis, ground, you are negative return. Do you copy? Negative return meant that the orbiter was too high and too far downrange to land at their emergency fields in North Africa or Europe. Either Atlantis made it into space or died trying. Roger, ground, Cullens replied to Houston Control, which had taken over the flight from Cape Kennedy as soon as the craft had cleared the launch tower. Ground control for America's space program was located in Texas because of Lyndon Johnson's machinations during the program's infancy, a legacy that had since cost the agency millions in redundancies. Eight minutes after the first rumble of the orbiter's main engines, they sucked the last of the fuel from the external tank, and suddenly a profound silence rushed in on the crew. It was at that exact moment when the thrust of the engines died and his arms lifted off his chair to float like swaying kelp in a tidal pool that Cullens realized he had slipped Earth's bounds. He'd also done something every person in the world envied. He'd obtained a childhood dream. Atlantis, ground. Go for E.T. separation. Roger. External tank separation. Now. Explosive bolts shoved the huge tank from the orbiter, and it began its long tumble back into the atmosphere where it would harmlessly burn up. "'Gravity may be a law,' Dale Markham, the payload specialist, seated behind Cullens, joked, "'but Newtonian mechanics is one hell of a get-out-of-jail-free card.'" Two hours after reaching orbit, with the payload bay doors open to vent excess heat, the crew got down to their primary mission task. They were already feeling the debilitating effects of zero gravity, and by tomorrow the crew would be about worthless. Therefore, NASA had scheduled a payload launch as soon as the shuttle had reached a stable orbit 250 miles above the planet. Len Collins and the other three men were still running on the adrenaline from the launch, yet nausea was becoming more than a nuisance and would soon impair them all. Videos and practice aboard NASA's converted Boeing 707 Vomit Comet could not prepare them for what it truly felt like to be in perpetual freefall. Sitting grim-faced in the pilot's chair... Cullens promised himself that he would not be the first to throw up the steak-and-egg breakfast prepared for them in Florida. Atlantis, ground. Prepare for transfer to Vandenberg for payload deployment. Vandenberg Air Force Base in California was in charge of the satellite in the shuttle's cargo bay, and its safe deployment was the principal mission for the shuttle's launch, despite NASA's official press release about a communications satellite. Roger, Cullens said, and swallowed quickly, his stomach roiling just a few inches below his throat, his salivary glands on overdrive. Vandenberg, go ahead. This is Atlantis. Atlantis, this is Vandenberg. We show green across the board for payload deployment. Roger, Vandenberg. We are go for payload deployment. Deployment is 18 minutes.
Collins knew the window for launching the satellite from the cargo bay was very narrow due to the bird's particular mission. He switched to the internal radio net. Dale, you've got eighteen minutes. How are you doing back there? Breakfast wasn't nearly as good coming up as it was going down, but I'm about ready, Markham replied. Markham and the other payload specialist, Nick Fielding, were standing at the aft crew station, and until the satellite was safely away from the orbiter, total control of the shuttle had been turned over to them. Fielding would work the orbiter rotational controller that affected Atlantis's pitch, yaw, and roll, while Markham's specialty was the Canadian-built manipulator arm. Theirs was an exacting task, due to the delicacy of the orbiter and payload, and the effects of microgravity. Both men had heard the rumor that the Defense Department satellite, codenamed Medusa, had cost two and a quarter billion dollars, and now its safety was their responsibility.